0: Welcome back to the Flow and Flourish podcast. Thank you for being such a dedicated listener and tuning in each and every week. And you know, I'm going to be telling you all month long, happy Women's History Month. This month, I am absolutely celebrating all of us who are making history, who have made history and all of that good stuff. If this is your very first time tuning in to the podcast, then hello, welcome to your tribe. Welcome to the sister friend community where we really do talk openly and honestly about wearing multiple hats, managing multiple competing priorities and figuring out how to put ourselves first. This is where we are able to take off our masks, take off that superwoman cape and tell it like it is. So again, if this is your first time, welcome. I will encourage you to go back and listen to those first six or so episodes. And those are really about the foundational pillars of flow. It's gonna give you everything that you need to know about how to get in and stay in flow in every single area of your life. Now, today, we are talking all about the Health Flow Pillar, and I have my girl, Dr. Nicole B. Washington, who is a psychiatrist, coming in to drop some knowledge for us. Before I get into the details of that, I do want to let you know that this episode is being brought to you by the Capacity Calculator. Now, this is for all my busy women who wear those multiple hats and feel like there aren't enough hours in the day, that shifting priorities and hats is overwhelming, and that something's just gotta give because enough is enough. So if that sounds like you, I want you to go to my website, nicolerone.com and click the banner at the top so that you can take your free capacity calculator today. Not only is it gonna tell you how much capacity you have, It's also going to give you some tips based on where you land. If you'd like the direct link, I'm happy to send it to you as well. Just send me a DM on either Instagram or Facebook and it is all yours. About this episode though, listen, we are talking all about how your health is your wealth and really choosing your health over everything else. I know that many of my listeners are the ones who do everything, that are high achievers, that work through their lunch breaks and do all of those sorts of things. And so I'm super excited to have Dr. Nicole Washington giving us a little bit about her story and giving us some tips on how to manage our health better. So let me go ahead and read her formal bio so we can jump right into this episode. Dr. Nicole Washington is a native of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where she attended Southern University and A&M College. After receiving her BS degree, she moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to matriculate at the Oklahoma State University College of Osteopathic Medicine. She completed residency in psychiatry at the University of Oklahoma in Tulsa. Since completion of her residency training, Dr. Washington has spent most of her career caring for and being an advocate for those who are not typically consumers of mental health services, namely underserved communities, those with severe mental illness, and high-performing professionals. Through her private practice, podcast, speaking and writing, she seeks to provide education and efforts to decrease the stigma associated with psychiatric illness. Help me welcome Dr. Nicole Washington to the Flow and Flourish podcast. Hi, Dr. Nicole. Oh my gosh, ma'am. I am so excited to have you here. And I know I say that about each and every guest, but I've been following you for a while since I heard you on Patrice's podcast. And I'm just, I'm grateful to have you here. So welcome to the Flow and Flourish podcast. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited
1: that you have created this space. We tried to get together. Man, this is a good example of like you meet somebody and then you go, oh, yeah, we're going to get together. We're going to get together. And then something kept happening. Like something would always happen. It would be like, I think one of your kids was sick at one point Mm -hmm. and we'd have a meeting schedule. And then Mm -hmm. like six months down the road, one of us would pop up in the other's mind and we'd send a message like, hey, just checking in. How's it going?
0: (laughs) And it probably took us two years to finally, uh, to make something happen, right? (laughs) But you know what? Better late than never. And everything always happens in divine timing. And I just, I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today, just about your journey, about mental health and just honoring you for the history that you are making in this world, in the mental health world, and for all of us high-performing, high-achieving women that don't know how to have several seats. So, talk to us a little bit. I know I know who you are, and I've already given you a very formal intro. But, talk to us a little bit about how you ended up in this space, why you're doing what you're doing, and you know,
1: oops, yeah, give us your story. So, I grew up in uh, Baton Rouge. I grew up in South Louisiana. I knew from the time I was about four that I want to be a doctor. So that was a given. I got one of those cute little doctor kits where
0: you,
1: <laughs> um, you know, get to work on your family. And I mean, my family let me work on it. I was checking ears and I had an uncle who would pretend to his reflex, He would pretend like his leg was, you know, jump, his <sighs> jumping when I hit his knee and That's the funny. reflexes and they just let me, they just let me be. And so since that moment, that is all I ever said I want to be every like you know, paper you wrote in elementary school and middle school and high school. That's always what it was. And my senior book, that's always what it was. But back then I thought I would do like PEDS or like be an Mm OB-GYN. And I don't know if that was just because that was what I was familiar with, right? So I would go, you go to a pediatrician, you go to, you know, like, I think I knew what those doctors did and who they were. And I was like, okay, well, I could, I'll just do that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I got to medical school. And I thought, oh, and so anybody listening, you have a budding, you have a child who wants to be a physician. You want to help them navigate through. So I made it through college. I got to med school. Those first two years are all classroom stuff for the most part. And then the last two years is when you get to go and you get to try out different specialties. So you get to spend a month mostly and with pediatricians and obstetrician, gynecologists and internal medicine and family medicine and surgery, Mm -hmm. and you get to spend all kinds of stuff. And so I got to spend a month on psychiatry and I fell in love with it. Like I absolutely fell in love. And it was funny because going into my third year, it was one of two specialties that I had already crossed off my list.
0: So well, I did no, What'd you cross off early? Surgery and psychiatry. Those were the two.
1: <laughs> so those were the two that going into those kind of clinical experiences, I said, oh, well, I don't know what I want to do for sure, but I for sure know it's not surgery. And I for sure know it's not psychiatry.
0: Okay.
1: And so I get to my psych rotation. And I was like, oh, this is so much fun. Like, I loved it. I love it. It was in the hospital. It was really sick people. And I just loved it. Like, it just was so much fun. And I loved it. And then I was in denial, right? And I was like, oh, but I can't be a psychiatrist, right? Like, I'm a Black person. I can't be a psychiatrist. <laughs> we don't go see psychiatrists. We don't do that. Like, that's not what we yes. do. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. So that's, you know, I felt like most of all of the psychiatrists I had met in med school were weird. And I was like, I'm not going, that's
0: not, I'm not weird. I'm so glad glad you are being so honest because I think that this is the conversation people need to hear, right?
1: Like, I was going to not do something I felt passionate about because I was like, I can't, mm -mm, nope. (laughs) So I tried to fight it. Like I really did. I went through the rest of those years. So really trying to figure out like, what in the world was I going to do? And I came up with all kind of, plans that didn't make sense Mm -hmm. um, because none of them would have brought me this level of fulfillment. So it didn't matter if I was on surgery or if I was doing pulmonology or if I was working with a kidney specialist, I was always taking care of the psych patients. Like on those rotations, I was always drawn to them. And, and my attendings and the residents who were in charge of me would be like, why don't you go see that one? You're really good with those people. You know, like you're good with (laughs) with psych people. And I was like, okay, I mean, it was what I wanted. So I finally just gave it up and said, okay, like you got to get over yourself. And you need to do this. And then they reminded me, you know, growing up, we just didn't deal. We didn't deal with it. I had, I can remember having three girls that I grew up with in my neighborhood who were around my age, who I played with. I mean, my grandmother was extremely protective of me. And looking back, I know that it was because of the fact that of the neighborhood and the people and what was going on, you know, at the time I didn't really get it, but looking back. Thank God that she was super protective of me. But looking back, I had three friends I remember losing as a kid who oh. like raped and murdered by mom's boyfriend or that kind of thing. Right. But nobody ever asked like, hey, are you, you know, how you doing with that? Like, you nobody ever even thought to ask me like, hey, is it affecting you? Like, it was just like, oh, okay, well, she's gone. We just didn't talk about it. And, and yeah, we just let it, we just ignored it. Right. And then, you know, cause you hear all the time patients will say, well, you know, I'm not going to tell no strange white man all my problems because, because <laughs> for a lot of people, <laughs> right, right. I'm not, because they associate psychiatrists with being older white men and they think they're strange. They're like, I'm not going to sit and tell some strange white man what's going on with me. Like, it's just not going to happen. And then I'd look back to my neighborhood growing up and just. You know, you had the guy who had, you know, mental illness, who probably had schizophrenia, who was like holding up traffic in major intersections, talking to people that weren't there and, you know, cussing out the cars. But nobody was like, nobody was calling the police and nobody was saying, hey, we need to get this man. (laughs) So
0: we We (laughs) We avoided him,
1: right? (laughs) We just avoided him and just let him be ill in the neighborhood. Nobody thought twice about it. And so, you know, I mean, I just, I thought, okay, this is my space, right? Like I get to help people. Since I've been a psychiatrist, I did home visits for seven years for severely mentally ill adults. And it was amazing. It was probably the best job I've ever had as far as just, I loved it fulfilled. Like, I I mean, it was just great. Okay. And a lot of my patients were black and I was doing all kinds of stuff. we, you know, just out the box stuff and just mm-hmm. kind of meeting people where they were. And so that was great. I did a crisis. I ran a crisis mm-hmm. unit for about five years. So I was on faculty at an academic institution, which again was also something I said I would never do. I would never be, (laughs) I I said, I would never be in academics and I would never teach and I would never. And that's one of the things I've enjoyed the most about my career is my interaction with medical students and teaching. And I vowed like, oh, I'll never do that. So Mm -hmm. I will say, if you listen and listen, don't ever say what you won't do because like the things that we sometimes think, oh, I'll never do,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like they end up being good things for Mm -hmm. us. Like, you know- yeah. So be open to, I always tell people when I say that part of the story, I'm like, Hey, be open to doing something that may not have been on your radar a year ago or two years ago. Like be open to it. Like you yeah. may have never done it a year ago, you, but maybe now you is better equipped to I handle know. it. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: So, it's about, like you said, being open and considering it before it you is. cross it off the list completely. Just yeah. Don't, do it, it off.
1: It. Don't cross it off. And so I was crossing stuff off left and right and then would do them and go, oh, I love this. Why was I crossing this off? Like, what was I thinking? (laughs) Right. So I was an employed physician. I worked for the university. I worked for this community mental health agency and I was giving them 120%, you know, of myself. Yeah. But that came at a cost, right? Because there really are only 40 hours in a day. And so, uh,
0: yes. <laughs> and, and like 40 hours the in the work. Week. Coach, you There's, know. <laughs> right. There's
1: only 40 hours, you know, that you're supposed to be getting this stuff done, which means you're not, you're working 60 or 80, right? Mm-hmm. There's only 24 hours in a the day. There's only seven days in a week. Like you can only squeeze so much in. Every time I was saying yes to something, it was taken away from something else. I wasn't working out or worrying about my own health and eating and diet and that kind of stuff and putting on all kinds of pounds because that wasn't a priority, right? Because I had to, try to take care of these patients. And then when you're in academics and you got to teach and all of our jobs and careers have those extra things that you don't have time to do the higher up you get, the more work you have to do that you can't get done during your regular day. So (laughs) like the higher up, so all those raises and all those, like, Oh, I got a promotion. Like every time you go up another notch in whatever industry you're in, there's more and more stuff that you're like, Oh, I don't have time to get this done during my five. So that's working all kind of late hours. You know, I had two kids, I was married, want to be a good, you know, a good mom that I thought, like, what what does that mean? Like, I want to be a good mom. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all these stay at home moms, I'm living out here in the suburbs. They had every PTA meeting every event, And so (laughs) I was like, okay, okay. So I'm trying to do all this stuff and I'm working and I was giving this job. Like I was giving them all I had to give. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that they were not giving it back. Yes. To me. I learned that I was making significantly less than my peers than the other physicians who were working. I, I found it out. How'd
0: you find that out?
1: Conversation. Okay. Um, interviewing a new person. And there was a conversation about salary and like the other two people that were at this dinner made the comment that, oh, I'm able to reach that kind of max level with my contracts and all this stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not even getting anywhere near that. Like I'm working my hips off. But the problem for me was, and that's what sometimes happens to us, is the things that brought me joy were not always the things that were money making, right? Like I could go out and get fancy contracts at places, but I wouldn't have been fulfilled with any of those things. Like I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed the stuff I did with my patients who were not stable and not the kind of people that most people want to hang around with. I enjoyed that. Like it was valuable. I didn't feel like they valued it or me and what I was doing enough to put the money behind it. And okay. so it got to the point where, you know, I stayed. And so sometimes you stay in places that, you know, don't have your best
0: interest in mind.
1: Like sometimes you do um, because you there are benefits. A
0: fit. Yeah. Well, but sometimes
1: there are benefits. Right. So at that job, I wasn't making nearly as much as I could have made. Right. Like I wasn't making it at all. And I was working a lot. But you know what? I had so much flexibility. I was homeroom parent for my mm-hmm. kids all through elementary school. I didn't miss a Valentine's Day party, Christmas party. I planned them all. My husband was always at the school. I'd be there as much as I could. So we were active and involved. And that's not something I could have done had I gone to a more traditional job and probably making more money. I couldn't have done that. So I had to put a price on stuff.
0: Yeah. And it's so it's I think, like you know, weighed out don't... those priorities, right? Like yes, mm-hmm. Yes. So I
1: think it's important when we think about sometimes you're at a crummy place, right? Like I was at a place that I knew wasn't treating me well and Mm -hmm. that I knew wasn't going to be a long-term option for me. But when I wrote out those pros and cons, the pros of me staying because I put a lot of weight on the flexibility of being able to do that stuff during the day for Mm -hmm. my kids and stuff. I put a lot of weight on that. I I put a huge amount of weight on that.
0: It was a core value. And it was, and I love you say that because so many of us, I'm a mom too. And as a working mom, I know having that feeling of my daughter coming to me and saying, how come you can't be a homeroom mom, like Susie's mom, or, you know, you don't show up to this, that, or the third, I had to reshift my focus and it wasn't necessarily about the money or the title. I needed to put myself in a position to be able to be there so that I could be the homeroom mom so that I could do the mm-hmm. you know activities for the party. So I completely relate to that. And I know that there are yeah. so many women listening that are like, yeah. And it's really identifying what your true core values are. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you were able to do that. And it came at the cost, maybe not even the cost, but you shifted those priorities and you stayed with that organization because of the benefits that it allowed you to yeah. show up in, in yeah. other areas of your life.
1: Yes. And I had to do a mindset shift too. Like it required a mindset shift because I went through a period where I was really ticked off. Like I was like, this place sucks. And it ain't paying me. And I'm working my ass off and yeah. this is a mess. And then when I just would think through, but why am I still here? And I would weigh those things out. I was like, I felt better. My mood shifted, my mindset shifted because I started thinking of it more as I know that this place is not probably where I'm going to be forever or the best place for me. Mm -hmm. but it is the best place for right now. And I am making the decision to stay here and not make as much money because that's Mm -hmm. a sticking point, right? Like we know Mm -hmm. women don't make as much as men. We know that. We Um, do. So you getting your feelings about that kind of stuff. And then, but I had to remind myself, like I'm choosing to stay here. I could go and work somewhere and make more money. I mean, a hundred percent could, but I wouldn't have this kind of flexibility and I wouldn't have had it. So I was like, well, you know, I mean, I need to get over myself because- (laughs) I'm making a decision to stay here. I don't have to stay.
0: Yeah, it was a choice. And yes. that's the thing. We all have choices and figuring out what works best for us. We shouldn't always go by, you know, not only what other people are saying, but it literally needs to be tied to what you prioritize and what you value and understanding that situations are temporary, mm-hmm. right? Like, Absolutely. it's okay. You knew that that wasn't your end all be all and it was for a season. You were, The purpose behind you being there was to have the level of flexibility that you needed so you could show up as a mom and all the other areas that you needed to.
1: 100%. And I did eventually leave, right? Like, eventually I said, okay, I'm at a point now where I can afford to leave. The right job came along. I didn't just leave all willy nilly to go somewhere that I wasn't. And I enjoyed working at that agency at the next one, but realized I wasn't going anywhere. Like, there was nowhere for me to go up. Like, I was going to be in this one spot. And it was stressful. It was like a, you're on call, 24 hours a day kind of job. Like you're on call. Yeah. If something happened, they were calling me. If something happened at one of the ERs, the ER docs were calling me. You know I mean? It just, it was always that. And so I thought, oh, I can't keep this up. This is not sustainable. And once again, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I said, I just want to be an employed. Say it again. (laughs) I didn't want to. I was like, I want to know. I got vacation time. I want to know when my check is coming, how much it's going to be. I don't want to have to think, oh, how many people did I see? How many this did I book? Like, I just thought it's comfortable, right? It's so comfortable. Yeah. Um, it's so comfortable.
0: You're talking to the lady who just recently <laughs> jumped into entrepreneurship after leaving the full-time role. So it's so I'm like, yeah, I did not want to do, I didn't want to be an Ooh. entrepreneur. No, because, I like comfort. I like yeah. routine. I like to
1: know what's going to happen. And so that was like, oh, I, I I, don't know that I'll do that. And I had one of my aunts died is what happened. I remember that happened. My aunt died a few years ago. It was, and I remember being like, so upset, like just so upset. It wasn't like, oh, my aunt was 90 and then she died. It was like, aunt was living a life kind of how she wanted to live it. And then she wasn't feeling well. And then she literally got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer one day and didn't even get to tell her kids about it the next day because she died that night. Oh, And so God, it gosh. was so sudden. It was so horrible. And I was like, oh, so life really is short. You really don't know what's going to happen. And so I thought I can't keep giving all these people all of me and not having enough of me left to even take care of me or really kind of invest in being there with my kids and stuff. And so I took the jump. I got a coach, right? Which was also something I said, I never do that. Like, what do I need a coach for? I went to school. I'm a doctor. Like, what do I need a coach for? This is crazy. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This is crazy. Why am I paying somebody to tell me what to do? I know what to do. And I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) so this is different. I think if you're looking to transition or you're looking to make the jump or the lead and you need the guidance, because sometimes the coach isn't necessarily telling you stuff that you've never heard before as much as they provide you the motivation, the role. Like, you know what to do, but you're like, okay, but in what order? How long Mm -hmm. should it take? What am I supposed to do? Some stuff you thought you know, you don't know. <laughs> you find out when you start working with somebody. Yeah. And sometimes it just gives you the kick in the pants because we're busy, right? We're moms yeah. and wives and we are working, and, you know, aunties and we're daughters to our mom. You know, like we're trying to do all these things. It's nice to have somebody and knowing somebody to hold you accountable. Yeah. Along the way. Because you'll not do it. You'll go, oh yeah, I'm gonna do that thing. I'll I'm get gonna
0: to that. It's on your priority list. Yeah,
1: you know. <laughs> oh, I've been meaning to start that LLC. I'm gonna do that one of these days in my free time Mm -hmm. that never comes. And it really changed things for me. And I think I wouldn't have been able to make that transition without having a coach, without having, and specifically a physician coach who was gonna help me move from being an employed physician to kind of entrepreneurial endeavors and to just give me to rethink medicine. Cause you know, and I know there are a lot of industries like this. If any of your listeners are in those caring professions, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're in- A lot of
0: them are- (laughs)
1: In that caring space, you're a therapist, people almost expect you not to care how much money you make because they are like, well, you're a nurse. Well, you're a doctor. Like you shouldn't be doing this for the money. Like mm-hmm. I don't care what you do. Like if you're a school teacher, you enjoy teaching kids, but you're not doing it for free. Like,
0: <laughs> <money> to survive. <laughs> <You're> not- <laughs> like who thinks that we should be running around, not getting paid for the things that we do, especially in those service oriented roles. You know what I mean? Like you literally are pouring into people and saving people's lives and extending people's lives in every capacity. And it's so- right. It sounds like you've gone into business for yourself. Tell me about how you're helping with mental health now that you're in your own business.
1: So, I started a private practice. And I'm uh,
0: through Dr. Nicole. I did. I
1: started a practice. It's largely virtual. I'm based in Oklahoma in the Tulsa area, but I'm licensed, I don't know, 10 states right now. I have two pending.
0: Are you licensed
1: Um, in Illinois yet? Illinois is tripping with my license. (laughs) Let me tell you something. I have applied and now I got to reapply again because we are having issues with getting this together. So Illinois is pending. Yes. Okay. Good to know. I started this practice really primarily for physicians initially. So as I had some health stuff that happened, gosh, when I was a resident, I was still in training. I had my kids when I was in training. So I had my son as a medical student, had my daughter as a resident. And so had my son, had all kinds of issues happen. He's two months early. It was a mess. But the school was very supportive and Mm -hmm. we were able to work it out. And so having that support was key. Fast forward four years, I get pregnant again. I have my daughter. I took call every other day for the first two weeks of January, well, through the 11th, because I didn't want to inconvenience my male coworkers who I was working with. Okay, so I don't want to be that girl, right? I don't mm-hmm. want to be that pregnant woman who was like, oh, I can't take my call. Y'all gonna have I'm to stay
0: pregnant. Yeah.
1: Now me today would have been like, oh, y'all gonna catch this call because I'm not taking it <laughs> all every other day. I had my kid on a Friday, Friday the 13th. And then my doctor goes out of town and then I started having like swelling and the doctor ignored my comments about me being concerned. And you know, we already know black women have higher birth related mortality rates black women have it worse in this country than they do in other countries and so I go home that Monday and I ended up back in the hospital on Monday night I had fluid I had I was in a heart failure and so oh God. while I was in the hospital for that they found out that I was having these periods where my heart would stop beating at night while I was asleep and what? so then a week postpartum I had a pacemaker put in I was like I wasn't even 30 yet and so I had a pacemaker put in and I was like um y'all this is a lot so Oh, this
0: is wow a lot oh
1: so it wasn't even 30 and so it was just a lot and I was struggling 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 I was having panic attacks left and right I couldn't sleep I was terrified I mean, like I it was I was a mess mentally but I didn't have anybody to like who was I gonna go talk to right like I'm yeah. a psychiatrist I'm a psychiatrist resident I, I know a lot of the people and the good people that I know to go to in town I can't go to because I know them mm-hmm. and so then it was like well who in the heck am I supposed to go to so I just kind of therapist myself, I guess, and moved it along. But over those years, peers were confiding me, right? But none of them were going to see a therapist. Like nobody was going to talk to anybody or see anybody formally because medicine, you don't really get to do that. And there are a lot of industries like that where, you know, saying you need help is a sign of weakness and, you know, we just don't do it. And so, well, you know, I knew people across the years who had issues and it finally occurred to me, I can do something about this, right? Mm -hmm. So physician suicide rates were on the rise. We lose a few hundred doctors to suicide every year. Um, and that's just the ones we lose, right? What about mm-hmm. the ones who are still practicing? And, and- suffering and, and not suffering, getting the help and- that they need. Right. Uh, because so many of the state licensing boards ask you intrusive questions about, have you ever been in mental health treatment? And they make you feel yep. like it's a bad thing, right? And I get it because we want to make sure we have doctors who are taking care of people who are mentally safe to do so. But well, we who's also- taking
0: care of them?
1: Right, but we also need to make sure they're being taken care of. So I started that practice, and that has been, and it grew into just busy professionals in general, right? Because it's the same issue. It's the I don't have time to leave my office to drive thirty minutes or an hour across town to wait to come back. You know, I mean, yeah. that's an issue. It's I work a job where it's really hard for me to leave to go get what I need. So I need somebody who can see me at seven in the morning or six, seven o'clock at night, and I can do that, right? Like I can provide that kind of flexibility. Sometimes I'm a recognizable person in the community. So whether that's, I'm an attorney, I'm a physician, I'm a media personality, I'm whatever these things are. If I'm your kid's pediatrician and you see me at the psychiatrist's office, you are going to think, what is she doing in here? Despite the mm-hmm. fact that you're there, you're not going to say, right. oh,
0: you oh, worried oh, about who you see and how they can still serve you and your family. Are right. they stable? Right. In my yeah. air quotes.
1: Right. So I'm able to help a lot of busy professionals mostly women mostly black women um mm-hmm. is who I'm working with because you know there's a comfort level there there's you know being able to talk to somebody who you know is going to know what's going on and what yes, you, it, you know, and understands yeah what you might be dealing with so that's something that I did I started a podcast it's been a labor of love let me tell you <laughs> it's been a labor of love um, <laughs> But it's all about mental wellness for professionals, like mental wellness. Like what can we do to be well? Like how can we just take, like how can we be mentally well? I'm doing some media stuff and some consulting and just all kinds. Basically, I just do what I want to do because I feel like I have given enough of myself to other companies, right? And I, I don't feel like necessarily I felt totally fulfilled all the time. And this, I'm in control of what I do. So I can't be mad at anybody but myself if I walk away at the end of the day or the end of the week feeling like I was totally unfulfilled and I'm not walking in my purpose or I'm not like that's on me because I'm in charge now of that schedule, which is hard, right? Because and mental wellness is hard to achieve, especially this last year. It's been a whole mess.
0: It's (laughs) It's been tough and it's ongoing. It's been a whole mess. Yeah. And you know what? Like you have said so much and hit so many different things. I know initially going in, I was talking about this being in our health pillar or my health pillar because I have five different pillars of flow, but it ties into the work pillar as well. And so I want to pause and just say thank you for walking in your purpose and for stepping back and for sharing with us the transitions that you've gone through because so many of my listeners are in that same boat whether they're in these high profile service-oriented roles or in something similar to corporate like I was in, where you are constantly being pulled and you literally don't have the capacity to be who you need to be at work and at home. And so you've created this space, especially for women and women of color to come and have this conversation. Because one of the things that I know I heard growing up and I was recording a podcast earlier, we talked about was, As women, we've learned to just kind of suck it up, buttercup. And because most of us didn't grow up seeing our moms or other people around us asking for help, we have equated asking for help as a weakness. And part of my story comes from me being in corporate for over a decade and in the HR space. And I jokingly, but seriously say human resources is like the therapy for their
1: therapists. Oh, no, they are.
0: And so- I remember joking with one of my directors and saying, listen, we just need to go get certified and be therapists because everybody brings it in here. Like, I don't care what we've been set to talk about. If we're talking about firing somebody, talking about a promotion, it always stems back to something that's going on personally. And we take on that conversation. And so like you, I realized that I was working so, so much and not being able to show up in the ways that I wanted to at home but also was battling what I didn't know at the time was depression, anxiety, postpartum, all of those different things. And because I wasn't dealing with that emotionally, I ended up in ICU fighting for my life. You
1: can't separate it out though. I mean, you can't, you know, I think we, I so I've spoken at a couple of HR HR, con- at the Sherm conference.
0: Come on now, talk uh, about I did. it.
1: And we talked about trauma-informed workplaces and all that good stuff. But I think the thing about employers is, back in the day it was just like we don't talk about our personal stuff here like we don't deal with that kind of stuff here like you just leave it at the door like you're supposed to be depressed and anxious the other 16 hours a day but the eight hours you're here you're supposed to just not be depressed or anxious and not let that (laughs) spill over which is ridiculous and you know it doesn't even make sense and so a lot of the companies now have the eap program because they realize Mm -hmm. okay well maybe it will maybe it does affect your performance. When I do corporate talking, because I've done some corporate talking Mm -hmm. about like mental wellness stuff in your workplace and how we get that going. But just to get people to understand, like if you're not mentally well, you're not going to do a good job at work. You're not going to be able to get along with people. You are not going to be able to focus on your job. You're not going to be as productive as you could be. And as much as a lot of companies will kind of just poo poo it and kind of try to overlook it they don't want to deal with all that turnover. That's a mess. No. Rehiring new people and um, running into the same issues over and over again. Yeah. It's a mess. And you can't really separate out sometimes your pillars, your health, your work, your, you know, we are trying to hold on to that work-life balance, but that ain't even real. It doesn't even exist.
0: It's not. They flow together. Yeah. Which is why I created all of this because it's literally being able to Flow in between the different priorities that we have. We all right. wear multiple hats and have competing priorities. And I wanted to make sure that everybody understands that they are interrelated, that you cannot separate them. Because right. if you have something going on, let's call it in your workflow pillar, you're not fulfilled in what you're doing, that's going to show up in other areas, whether you're trying to fill a void by spending or you're trying to fill a void by eating or just all these different things, the way in which we operate, we have to learn how to flow between the different roles that we have. And so I wanted to make sure I had you here to talk a lot about how our mental health needs to be our priority. And you started to do that already in saying that if your mental health is not intact, it does impact how you show up professionally but talk about it too in the different areas of our lives. Like I know for me, I was terrified about going to get help because I'll be honest, even in talking with my directors and other managers and leaders and consulting with different C-suite executives, nobody took the time to get the help that they needed. It's almost like this badge of honor. Like I'm going to keep going. I'm burnt Burnout is a badge of honor. You get to talk about how burnt out you are and you're doing the most. And when I stepped back and got my own mental health help, I got so much backlash. I got told at work that it was a really inconvenient time for me to be out because of the season that we were in. Listen, yes, we had engagement surveys going on and I was leading that project. It was end of the year performance reviews, all of these different things, and at that moment, I'm like, okay, I'm saying I need help and I'm asking can I take this time off and I don't need to do that I've really had to learn how to prioritize myself if you could talk a little bit about just even getting to that point to get the help that you need because ma'am it's changed my life completely it should right I mean it's supposed
1: to and people think well I'm not crying I'm not thinking about killing myself you know I just have to deal with it and that's not true I think it's important for us to know what a normal mood looks like right like what is normal and I tell people all the time, like normal is if something happens that would typically bring me joy, I can feel it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can enjoy it. Right. But when you're depressed and anxious, something happens that would typically make you happy. And you're just kind of like, eh. or you do stuff, you go through the emotions. Cause you know, like, okay, well, I am still their mother. Like I do still have to talk to my kids and I have to mm-hmm. interact with them. And I do still have to spend time with my husband and I do still have to like go to family functions mm-hmm. and, it's what um, I
0: call autopilot that, syndrome. Yes. Because you don't, autopilot. You don't want, you're just going through the most, you don't want to
1: deal with the whole, why what, haven't we seen you? What's going on with you? So you just go, yep. and you, but it's not fun. I mean, you're not enjoying it. Maybe every now and then you'll smile or laugh or something, but it's not like, it doesn't fill your cup, right? It just mm-hmm. doesn't. And so it might be a sign that something that's going on when your mood is normal and somebody does something to make you sad or upset. You get sad, you get mad, you do what you got to do. You cuss, you do whatever you you. <laughs> Whatever you do and you put it on the shelf and you move through it, right? But when you're depressed and somebody does something to make you mad or make you sad, I mean, you don't want to get out of bed for three days. Like it's hard for you to you can't stop thinking about it. You can't deal with it. I mean, it's a lot. Everything feels heavier when you're depressed.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Everything feels like more of a chore, right? Just getting up and getting dressed on a Saturday and going to the living room to spend time with your children feels like. I ask you to do a half marathon at the last mm-hmm. minute. It just feels like you want me to do what? I mean, I tell my high functioning folks, I hate that term actually, high functioning, but I
0: know, me too. Um,
1: people like to describe themselves as high functioning. But if you are somebody who works at a pretty high, fast pace a lot of times, or you have a lot of capacity and you're used to being able to take on and take care of a lot of things, you can be depressed and people won't notice it. I mean, depression doesn't mean like I'm not functioning at all, but it definitely is going to stop you from bringing your A game, right? Like maybe you are a little more snippy than usual, right? Maybe you're snapping, maybe you are just super irritable and negative and always complaining about something and at work. And maybe you're making little mistakes because when you function at a high level normally, you can be impaired quite a bit before people notice, before it gets to a point where it's really bad. So if you are feeling like your mood is low, if you are feeling like you need to be evaluated, just go get the evaluation. Just go talk to somebody if that's what you feel like you need to do. It doesn't always mean medication. A lot of times I see people, they'll see me and I'll tell them like, I'm glad you came in, but you don't need me. Like you need Mm -hmm. need a therapist first. Let's try that. If that doesn't work, then we'll do meds. A lot of times I will say meds and therapy together work. And it just depends on what kind of symptoms the person's having. But for somebody who really is never really engaged in treatment, therapy Mm -hmm. isn't a bad option. Really even beyond like thinking about the mental, if something's wrong, like what can we do to take care of ourselves? Cause sometimes we just have those periods in our lives where things just aren't great. Like your mental wellness, right? Like your mental wellness plan needs to include you. Mm. So mental wellness and a mental health day or burnout, you know, it needs more than a spa day. I mean, I'm here for a good spa day. Do not get me wrong. Like a good massage, a good spa day is great. But if you live a really chaotic existence, work-life balance expectations are off or you're burning off your job or that one little spot that you're gonna feel good that day but the next day you're gonna be tense again because you got to go back to that same environment so
0: or the same day because look (laughs) I remember I used to think that that oh I'm just gonna get a massage and everything's gonna be better and I'm great while I'm there I'm talking about the nice long one with rags and all of that but even as I would approach getting home I was tense already because I either needed to get back on my laptop or I have mom duties and all these different things. And so many of us equate self-care and mental wellness and health in those spa days. And Mm -hmm. I am always saying, listen, self-care is a lifestyle and taking care of your mental health is so much more than just like you said, that spa day.
1: For sure. Some of the best things you can do. One thing, you know, I tell there are a couple of things I always say kind of cornerstones of your mental wellness plan. One of those is having appropriate expectations of yourself. So having appropriate expectations of what you can and can't do kind of goes back to that work-life balance, right? It's a balance. So you know what that means? That means that if I know I have a period coming up where I have to work more because that's what my job expects of me and what my career field demands of me, then mm-hmm. that probably means that during that time, I'm I'm not going to be as engaged. I'm going to work longer hours. I'm going to miss some family dinners. I'm not going to be as engaged. I'm not going to probably make any family functions during that two week period because it's it's because of your capacity and I only have so much time. Right. But when our expectations are, I should be able to do all those things, then you feel like a failure because you. So, that, so then that leads to you not being mentally well, right? If I think I failed, I just have to realize that, okay, so for this two weeks, I am not going to be at dinner. I'm not going to be at this family function. And then I also have to be able to accept the fact that just because I missed two weeks of dinners or because I miss a family dinner or I miss something, that doesn't make me a bad mom. That doesn't make me a bad- that wife, a none, bad of that. Yeah. Like none
0: of that. I mean, none of that, right? None, none. We focused on what we weren't able to do versus, is looking at the whole picture of how we have consistently been able to show up. Yes. We equate like taking that time away to do what I need to do and understanding, like literally understanding your capacity to handle all your different roles, yes. just because you're unavailable for this short amount of time does not determine whether you're a good or bad person, mom, employee, right. fill in the blank. Right. And I don't need to be superwoman. Like I'm totally okay not being Can super Can you, you say that again? To I'm okay our with, listeners I'm to okay with taking a nap. I'm, good with
1: that. I'm okay with naps. I think it's great. Um-
0: <laughs> I promote naps now. Now that I've been able to step back and I used to be the, I call it the diddy can't stop, won't stop. No team, no sleep. I've incorporated naps into a regular part of my own self-care routine because I do need to recharge. And even when I fight it, like getting up from that nap, I'm like, why did I fight this? I feel so good. I'm so much better to everybody and everything around me.
1: I've always been a napper. I mean, even when I was at my busiest jobs, I would go in my office about 15, 20 minutes. <laughs>
0: take in the a middle power of nap? Because I rarely ever like
1: took an actual lunch break. I would shut the lights off and I would take me a little 15, 20 minute power nap. I believe in naps because I did learn a long time ago that I said, you can let this job kill you if you want to, but they will have your position posted before your funeral. So if you know, like I know.
0: (laughs) you, I promise you that's what pushed me. I was telling people that in all of my HR roles, right? Like coming in stressed out, like understanding, you know, companies say, well, we operate lean, which means we have you do multiple roles. Don't pay you for all of those roles. And then we as high-functioning, high-achieving women are taking on that work, mm-hmm. but not realizing, like, literally, I tell people, your job will have your position posted before your obituary is even created. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you value? Exactly. And it's taking a step back and pausing.
1: Right. And then, you know, you and I had a conversation on Clubhouse, it was a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. about boundaries. Boundaries is some of the best self-care you can do for yourself. Oh,
0: like, ma'am.
1: Uh, <laughs> just being willing and able to say, like, hey, I... This is I'm not doing this. I'm not going to do this. Saying
0: No. Right. Without an explanation too, and just deciding that what you need is more important. And that's what this whole shift is about. And that's why I love the work that you're doing, because not only are you helping us to learn how to create the tools and increase our capacity to show up the way that we need to. You're literally practicing it. You're walking the talk and you've built your life around that. So, ma'am. Them boundaries are everything. It's a while for me to
1: get there, but you know what it takes? It takes a team and it takes support. I couldn't do any of this without the support of my family Mm -hmm. and the support of my actual friends. Like you figure out who they are, but the people who really support you and the people who really are your friends and your family, like it takes their support to be able to take care of yourself. It really does. Like it takes their support, right? Like it takes them recognizing, like, I can't pull on you for everything. Yeah, I can't, you know, it takes that. And sometimes that's a hard lesson for us to teach our kids
0: Yeah,
1: um, because going
0: we going do that right now with this 17 year old man. Right. Like they come to us, but I think it's
1: important for them to like, they need to see your journey, like for real, see it right. Like my kids yeah. very much understand that part of my self-care is sometimes I need to be alone, right? I'm an introvert. I need to recharge by myself. Like they know that. hmm. They also know sometimes I can't be with you. Sometimes I have to spend time with dad because married people need that. Like I need to be with your dad alone sometimes, not all of us always together. Um, Like they need to know like, hey, when I leave here and I go do something with my friends and I don't include you, it's not because I don't love you, it's because I need this. And so I'm mirroring for them how they should be. So then you know what, when my daughter gets married and has a family of her own, yeah. hopefully she is not running around here killing herself because she saw me running around here killing myself. Yeah. Hopefully she sees me at my 12 o'clock nap time every day that I have on my schedule when <laughs> she comes in my bedroom and I'm laying down like, you know, it's my nap time. Why are you here? You know, yeah. it's my nap what,
0: time. What do you need? You know, you are on viral time. <laughs> but
1: I want her to be so aware of all of that stuff. So that when she is older, like she can think back to, oh, this is why my mom took naps. And this is why she did spa days. And I understand. And I don't feel guilty doing it because she took care of herself. I think it's important that we do that stuff, not just for us, but also just to teach our kids. Because like you said, the only reason we beat ourselves and run ourselves into the ground is because that's what we saw.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I do what I do too, you know? And I think for me one day, my daughter saw me being the one like helping my mom and then helping my dad and then taking care of my sister doing stuff at work and I kind of saw her doing something similar but in the household right and I'm like what are you doing I have a seat girl I think she was like 15 at the time I'm like sit down everybody is not your responsibility her exact words but I see you do it all the time and I was like (laughs) <laughs> Talk about reality check. And so from that day, I promise you, I've been so intentional about what I do and even in ways that I allow her to help me, right? Like, so my kids are 11 years apart, 17 mm-hmm. year old, six year old. And naturally, as women, we take on caregiver, those sorts of things. But I've had to step back and be like, listen, this is your brother, not your son. I don't need you to get him dressed, I don't need you to make him breakfast. Now that you're driving to take him to school, when I need you, I will let you know. But you focus on doing what you need to do with your grades. We're looking at colleges, these sorts of things, and modeling that behavior similarly to you. My husband and I, for the first time in, it'll be nine years that we've been married at the end of this month. We're going on a no kids week trip, just he and I, because we've never done that before. It's been like, two or three days here, and we've always felt compelled to bring the kids. But again, modeling that, I want her to know that when she gets married, it's okay for you to take a break from your kids and go have you some fun and spend time away.
1: Yeah. We take a trip annually with some other couples and then um,
0: that's going to be a regular now. I believe that. Oh yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, And it needs to be, you need that space, but you're right. Our kids watch us and we have a place here through our local junior achievement organization is called Biz Town and the fifth graders all go and it's like a little town based Mm -hmm. on our town. And so there's like the electric company and there's the local hospitals and stuff. And so the kids get to they run for off like there's a mayor of this town and there's there's a bank and there and so there's all these roles are filled. And so the kids will run for mayor and then they'll have it's basically supposed to give them like a day of what it's like to have a job. So when my daughter did it, she was like CFO at the cancer treatment hospital. Okay, and so she—I mean, she took it on, like, right. So the CFO is like doing payroll and doing like making Mm -hmm. sure the The budget. Financial
0: officer, right? So
1: (laughs) she was was on it, right? So they have a lunch built into their day. They have a RBS and where they go in and eat lunch, and they have a lunch break. And so they have to learn how. You know, like I had kids running around leaving and not making sure their jobs were covered. I was like, you would get fired in real life if you just left because it was your mm-hmm. lunchtime. I like you to make sure that somebody, you know, you go through the real life scenarios. My daughter was going to skip lunch Girl, she was going to skip lunch. She was Ooh-wee. for a fake simulation biz towel.
0: And that's <laughs> it how it really for, is. It
1: wasn't for a grade. <laughs> that was, She was like, no, I'm busy. I don't have time. I mean, she snapped at me. And I was like, if you do she was like, I'm busy. I don't have time. I am busy. I was like, what you're going to do is eat. <laughs> like what yeah. you're going to do. Cause they built in a couple breaks for them in mm-hmm. their work day and a lunch. And she was like, well, I just don't have time. I got to get this payroll done. I got to get this done. And she was just going to skip, but that's who she is in real life too. Like that's, yeah. so even for a simulation, I remember thinking like, oh, we got to work on this. Cause I, like, she's going to be me. Like she's going to be the, yeah. I will work through lunch. I just won't eat. I just.
0: Yeah. Because
1: you know, if she's going to do that in fifth grade at a simulation, she is for sure going to do that.
0: Ma'am. In her real life. <laughs> like she is. And even now
1: she's homeschooling. And if she has a day where she doesn't feel well, or she's like, I'm just really struggling today. I can't get, like, I just, oh, I can't hold a Things straight. And I was like, take a of health there. Just don't, you're homeschooled. You're on your own pace. Do right. it another day. And right. she's like, oh, I just haven't got anything done today. I just feel like I need to get it done. I was like, girl, just Pause. You're ingraining
0: it in a now. Yeah. And
1: they do see it. Like they see it and they take those traits on. And so you're right. Like we have to recognize it and stop it.
0: Yeah, we do. And that's why you're a history maker, ma'am, because you are literally walking the talk. And what we don't realize sometimes as history makers is that we literally are changing generations upon generations because the work that you're doing to be intentional about. How you show up as a mom, how you show up as a business owner is transcending, not only to your daughter, but to your son and to the people that they have around them. Because I had a conversation with my daughter the other day, one of her friends was going on an interview and I heard her coaching her on the phone and saying, okay, so first of all, you want to make sure that you come dressed appropriately, do not show up in gym shoes. I need you to make sure that you have some questions prepared to ask. And don't just ask stupid questions. I need you to ask them about real things. Don't ask about benefits because you don't even need to worry about benefits because I'm sure you can stay on your parents. And so she heard me laugh and she's like, oh, you listening to me? Yeah. So knowing that she's also teaching other people through what I'm teaching her, like melts my heart. And so I'm so glad that you are helping your daughter and the people around you to understand how important it is to pause, to take care of your mental health and to do all those things because they absolutely impact every other area of our life. They're all tied together. So well, that is a very important point. That I <laughs> about. So you're absolutely right. <laughs> well, I want to ask you a couple of questions that I ask each and every guest. Yeah. And I really do it because I want to, you know, see where other people are at because I know where I'm at and where other guests have been. And so I'm going to go ahead and ask you the infamous flow and flourish questions. I'm ready. So number one, if you could go back in time and have a conversation with your 17 year old self and give her one piece of advice and one piece of advice only, what would it be and why? It would probably be that she is enough. Mm.
1: Like you're enough. Just you and all your flaws and all your, like, you're enough. Like, you know, I think at 17, you, you get so focused on hey, what's wrong with you. And I think it's horrible that we expect. I mean, yes, I know what I want to do forever. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that I am a unique case, but I do think it's pretty horrible that we expect kids to know what they want to do for the rest of their lives at 17. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I feel like that's completely horrible and doesn't make sense, but I would tell myself because like, I put a lot of pressure on myself. And I think I just always was constantly like, I thought I was bigger than I was. I thought I was mm-hmm. like, you look back at pictures. Oop,
0: I Go back think, to that size, man. Right. Take right. back to 17. Like, I just wasn't <laughs> happy with myself. You know, I just was
1: like, oh, I thought I was huge. And I thought all these things. And I just thought, and then you look back at pictures of yourself when you're 40 plus and you go, girl, you were a fox. Like, what were you, th- what were you thinking? Right. Like, what were you talking about? I would just tell myself I was enough, right? Like you're enough. And that you may not have the people in your life at this moment to be able to love you for where you are right
0: now, but that's Mm -hmm. okay. They're coming. Like they're coming. That's so powerful. Yep. I love it. And that's what a lot of other people say as well, because 17 is such a pivotal age. To your point, like, yeah, being able to decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life. I remember being 17 and I was graduating a year early. And so now having a 17-year-old, yes, I'm all for college and education and all of that, but I want her to think about what she wants to do and not run and spend my money on college (laughs) when she doesn't really want to do something. So I love that you say that and encouraging that you are enough because so many of us, even as adults, need to know that we are enough, period. Nothing else. So good. Okay, number two. Because we're on the Flow and Flourish podcast, tell me something that you do on a regular basis to make sure that you flow and flourish and not naps because you already shared that. I already shared that. <laughs> <laughs> something else.
1: One thing I do to ensure that is I make sure that I recharge in my way. Okay. okay. And I said a little bit earlier, I'm a huge introvert. Like I just am. And I need quiet time to recharge. And so making sure I have that quiet time And making sure I stay connected with the people that are important to me is how I and probably even more so staying connected with the people who are important even versus the quiet time because it, especially this last year, I think we've all had some soul searching to do about what's important and who's important and just what that even looks like and just having the right people in my life and staying connected with them. So that would be my true answer is how I do it is I make sure I have the right people in my life and I make sure I stay connected to them. Cause having the wrong people in my life is not helpful.
0: It's no. going to max your capacity, literally drain all your energy. Sometimes your finances, like <laughs> the wrong I'm
1: so people. protective of my part. Like I'm so protective of my personal time. Like the time that I have is just dedicated to personal stuff. I'm so protective of it. Like I will, my husband's like, you are hard on ever. Like I meet somebody and mm-hmm. I'm immediately, we now like, okay, we can't be friends because of this. <laughs> Same. (laughs) Got these problems. Like, I need my personal space, my home, protecting my peace. Yeah. Like, my home is my quiet place. Don't come in here
0: with no foolishness. Like, my home. No, literally (laughs) leave that at the door. Matter of fact, don't even come to the door. (laughs) Right. Like,
1: don't come in here. Don't call me with all your drama and your don't do it.
0: No, don't nobody got time for that.
1: Nope. So I think keeping having the right people in my life and then making sure I stay connected to those people.
0: Okay. I like that too. All right. Last but not least, I know that we have talked about so many things today and you've given so many tidbits and knowledge drops, but what is the one thing that you want the listeners to walk away with after listening to this podcast? Being kind to yourself, I think is extremely
1: important. And recognizing that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should mm. do something. So I remind myself of that on a regular basis. Um, sometimes we convince ourselves that we have to do a certain thing. And I always go back to my grandma who used to say she didn't have to do nothing but stay Black and die.
0: <laughs> and that too? <laughs>
1: my grandma used to say I had to stay Black and die. And I think that we sometimes just put all this pressure on ourselves and like, oh, well, I can do this. I should do. This. Nope. Just because I can do something does not mean I should or I will. Yes.
0: Oof, ma'am. I ain't heard. All I gotta do is stay black and die in a long time. <laughs> That's But me. it applies. It, it applies. does. It still <laughs> applies. It applies. Oh my gosh. Dr. Nicole, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You are phenomenal. I'm in all of the work that you do and just thankful for the spaces that you are creating for not just physicians, but high functioning. I know we don't like that word, but high achieving women, the Miss Do-It-Alls wearing the Superman or Superwoman capes, and just grateful for you spending your time on the podcast today. If you could tell everybody how they can find you, if there are things that you have going on, I don't know if you do any sort of, you know, masterclasses or training or just anything you want to share about how people can work with you, please go ahead and let us know.
1: All right. So you can find me on pretty much all social media platforms at Dr. Nicole Psych. So D-R-N-I-C-O-L-E-P-S-Y-C-H, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. That's my handle on all of those. You can find me there and reach out The website I have is drnicolesight.com on there. You can get directed to the podcast. You can get directed to my clinical practice if that's something you feel like you need. Hey, if you feel like, oh, we probably need to get her in to talk to our CEOs, our C-suite folks about mental wellness and a mental wellness plan for your organization, I can help you with any of those things. And they are all on the website
0: okay well you guys make sure you go and follow dr nicole and don't y'all just love her name because i do (laughs) we even spell it the same way (laughs) but yes thank you for sharing everything with us go listen check out her podcast make sure that you are staying in tune with what she has going on and let us know how this podcast has been helping you listen dr nicole did not come to play I know that this episode has left you with a whole bunch of great nuggets and takeaways for you to consider as you continue to make history this month. Don't forget that I have extended the I am a history maker challenge and all you have to do is join the Facebook community. It's the Flow and Flourish community and listen to last week's episode. So the episode on embracing being a history maker, and then post the homework within the community. You will have an opportunity to win a free 60-minute balance booster coaching session with me where I'll go through one of the five areas of flow and help you get unstuck. On top of that, you get a $25 gift certificate to Amazon, okay? Also, if you have yet to subscribe to this podcast Go ahead and do that now. And please make sure you rate and review because it absolutely makes such a big difference. I thank you for spending this hour with me and Dr. Nicole. And I can't wait to come back to you actually with a bonus episode this Friday. So stay tuned. Make sure you're on the email list. And until the next episode. I really look forward to continuing to be your capacity coach and helping you to increase your capacity by creating balance between your personal and professional life.